I legitimately talk about how I think being fat is one of the best things that ever happened to me. Some of you might know that I am sort of obsessed with my abdominals or lack thereof. I mean, I know I have abdominals. They're they're just like below this uh, very small layer of fat. But I don't, I've been obsessed with my body image for as long as I can remember. And when I got sober at 25 is when I started eating better and working out. And that's when I started loving my body. I didn't always love my body and and I still have days where I don't love my body. I am like obsessed with my stomach. I'm obsessed with not having any fat and I'm also like an emotional eater. Like I I like baked goods, I like sweets, I like sugar and carbs and because I don't use drugs or alcohol or even sex anymore or tobacco food is like one of those things that I still use to change the way I feel. And the reality is that I don't really fully accept my body. Like I always want to change it. And I think that until I learn to accept my body, I will always want to change it. And I feel like that desire for perfection or for uh, to be uh, leaner or to have bigger muscles or to just to change something that I don't like will never go away until I fully accept my body. And I'm really grateful that today's guest, Megan Tonjes, was able to talk to me about body image and self-love and her philosophy on people's bodies and her own body. Megan is self-proclaimed fat, thriving, and proud. Megan is a musician. She's a podcaster. She's got three podcasts. She's also a longtime YouTuber. She's been YouTubing since before YouTube was even a thing, which means that she is like putting herself out there and getting a lot of beautiful, lovely feedback from people, but a lot of hate. So Megan is fat and she talks a lot about that and people on the internet are really, really mean. She's heard every nasty thing that you could say to somebody about their body and about everything else. I mean, the internet can be a really mean place. I'm I'm grateful that like, for the most part, people don't leave nasty comments on iTunes about my podcast. Like I'm no, no one's done it yet. And I have a little bit of experience with uh, getting nasty comments on Reddit, at, mostly about the fact that my writing is frilly. So I, I didn't lose sleep over that. But Megan's comments, the stuff that she gets is on a different level. And so in this episode, we get to talk about bodies that society does not value as being beautiful. We talk about how to accept your body. We talk about being fat and happy. We talk about the intricacies of being fat and having sex. So like um, your weight and your body uh, effect on your sexuality. A bit of a warning. We're also going to touch on Megan's sexual assault, which happened a few years ago. So in the middle of the episode, I'm going to stop the interview. Uh, there's going to be sort of like a little mid-roll segment, and I, and and the the talk about the sexual assault will come after that. And so if 
you don't feel like listening to it or you're not up for it, you can just stop the interview there. So you'll have a whole half of the interview and there'll be another warning before uh, we talk about her sexual assault. And finally, we're going to talk about something that I call the brunch standard, which is how I use, it's sort of like a measure, a framework that I use to figure out whether I want to have sex with somebody or not and whether that sex is going to be fulfilling or not. So we're going to talk about the brunch standard. Also, Megan is the hugest flirt. She's basically the female version of me. I had a blast. I love Megan as much as I can love someone that I don't really know, but we've been getting to know each other over Instagram. Megan Tonjes, at Megan Tonjes. That's M-E-G-H-A-N-T-O-N-J-E-S. That's Megan with an H. Megan Tonjes. My name is Sean Galanos, and this is The Love Drive. Megan Tonjes. <laughs> I like how you say it. You can say it however you want. What? How? You say like Tonjes. Yeah, Tonjes. It sounds so fancy. How do you say it? Tonjes. Tonjes. But I don't like the way I say it anymore. I'm getting self-conscious because everyone else is saying it in such a prettier way. How are they saying it? Like you're saying it. Tonjes. 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 Could you please introduce yourself? Yeah. Uh, I'm Megan Tonjes. I am a musician, singer, songwriter, YouTuber, talk a lot about body positivity, and I take no shit. I don't know how to talk about your body. Mm. Because I don't like I I'm, I don't have a lot of experience. Okay. And so, could you give me like a primer on, on my body? On just like how to talk about like fat people. Yeah, I just describe myself as a fat woman, uh, plus size. I mean, people use a million different terms: obese, curvy, whatever is in or not in. Um, you can call me whatever you want. You can call me fat. You can call me because I just I give you permission. I don't have a lot of experience. Yeah. You could say like self-proclaimed or something. like So it's like my words without you having to take the brunt of it. I'm okay taking some brunt as long as I... I mean, I'm fine with you taking brunt. Okay. Well, I guess I'm going to take some brunt then. Good. It's good for your Virgo soul. I, I don't have a lot of experience. I don't have fat friends. Why don't you have fat friends? Probably because I've been conditioned to not like fat people. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. I mean, a lot of people have. That's not uncommon. No, it's not a very popular opinion. No. And it's not something that people like actively Yeah. It's hard it's a hard thing to say because yeah, you would upset a lot of people saying that. I also don't have a lot of like friends that are people of color. Yeah. Well, you know, you're in fucking where are you, Montreal? Yeah. Well, but I lived in California. Well, I, I lived in San say. Francisco for well, there are no people of color in San Francisco anymore. <sighs> Damn. And I'm sure there are fat people, but Yeah. Well, it's you're, you're riding your bike too fast that you don't stop to say hi to anyone else that doesn't look like you. Right. That's true. And it doesn't fit the, the criteria of the partner that I'm looking yeah. for. Or, Interesting. Or friends. I mean, friends, yeah. like you, I don't know, do you attract the, the, the thing that you are more often than not? I mean, I think we probably feel comfortable surrounded by people that remind us of ourselves and the people that we've grown up around. Like, I didn't grow up in a town with a lot of people of color, and I was also probably the only fat person that I knew. But then now, once I once I branched out of that, especially moving to Los Angeles, I'm surrounded by people of different body types and different colors and different races and different everything. Like, 
And I think that's partially LA, but I, I think it's also there's a similar personality as far as whenever you feel like you're part of, especially any kind of minority or any kind of marginalized group or you've been treated a certain way, a lot of those people find themselves on the internet. And then a lot of us have found each other because it's kind of us against the world in a lot of ways. Um, so yeah, I tend to find myself surrounded by a lot of people that are supportive of me, but they're also supportive of me because they've gone through similar stuff. Right, some other challenges. Yeah. You need more fat friends. I need more Am fat Am I going to be your first fat friend? I don't know. Wow, what if you fall in love with me too? And then you fall in love with a fat girl and then it just, it's a whole, it's a whole fairy tale story. Well, well it's funny because I was talking to a friend about this today and he's dating, or he's has the potential to date a woman. Okay. And and he is also obsessed with, I mean, he's a very lean man, but he's, mm. uh, every woman that he's ever dated has been, you know, very, very lean. And okay. there's, you know, there's he's a type, he's a very specific body he's type very, that he's attracted to. Yeah, exactly. But then we were talking about one of his ex-girlfriends who had a bit of a belly. And he said, the more he like fell in love with her, the more he just like started to just like love her body. Yeah. Like, he, but I think that happens. I think the more you fall for anyone, there are things that maybe if you first saw them and you didn't have that connection to them, you see in a different way or you don't see it all. Right. But I also like, I would push back against, like, I don't, I'm not necessarily interested in being with someone that comes into it being disgusted by my body and then like learns to love it. I want you to be attracted to me and it might not be within the realm of what you've experienced before, but I don't think most of the men that I've been with have been with fat girls before that's their like fetish or anything like that. They just really liked my personality and I was confident. And so they were like, okay, she thinks she's the shit. Let's find out what it's about. And uh, spoiler alert, I was, so. I think that there are a lot of, obviously I've experienced a lot of misconceptions people have about fat people and how that's affected my life. And like growing up, what people told me I could or couldn't do. And I grew up thinking like, oh, I'll never find someone that loves me. Oh, I'll have to change my body. And I was teased by people. And I was like, I classic, like went to my my sixth grade dance. And, you know, not only did I have girls come up to me asking if I was pregnant and it just made me very upset when I was 12, but I also had boys that were pretending, oh, so-and-so wants to dance with you. And they were, you know, messing with their friend as a joke. I was at the expense of me essentially. And so it's just, you deal with a lot of people thinking that you're not really a person and treating you like a joke. And I'm, I don't know how it happened, but I'm lucky enough to, I think have grown up in, in somewhat of a way where I was told by my mom, like, whatever you want to do, we're going to figure it out. And I internalize that enough that now I think I can do anything I want. And so I do it even if the world tells me I can't. Why, because I'm fat? I'm funny, I'm great, and I'm beautiful, and I'm awesome, hello. Obviously, why, hello. Do, you why, hello. Do, you why do you think he's sitting across the room why, from me? Why do you think we're talking right now? <laughs> I mean, it's amazing that you had, you had like some level of support that allowed you yeah. to, to sort of like grow up feeling like you were, you were worth it and you could do whatever you wanted to do. Yeah, but it wasn't, the interesting thing was I wasn't, I didn't grow up feeling good about my body necessarily. Like I went to fat camp. My parents sent me to fat camp when I was young. I was put on diet suppressants when I was like 13. My mom would sneak me to the gym and I would lie about my age because I wasn't old enough to be at the gym. I did all the things. I came from a family who didn't look like me I ate what they ate, but my body just dealt with it differently. I didn't like playing sports so much. I wanted to be on the computer. I wanted to write fan fiction. I wanted to be online. I wanted to write. I wanted to read. And uh, and I just, I looked different from everyone. But my my family all, they all have body image issues too. They were always, everyone's always on a diet. Everyone's always, you know, communicating and talking about other people's bodies in front of them or about them. And 
I think as I've gotten older, I just, I don't like how that feels. And that's not really the life that I choose. But I also remember being in second grade and I remember this kid whispering to me that I was fat. And instead of me crying about it or going home, I raised my hand and I told the teacher, he's telling me that I'm fat. Like I immediately was a tattletale. And I think that that's carried over into what I do. When I see something that I don't like and I feel something that I don't like, I say it. Because I know that if I feel it, someone else feels it. And I think that's actually been the key to what I do online. I just said the thing that happened to me and how I felt about it. And then other people who didn't feel empowered to say that were like, oh, I feel that way too. Wow, seeing you say that makes me feel like I can say that too. Yeah, it's cool. You're show, you're, I sort of do that to a certain extent when it comes to sexuality and intimacy from a man's perspective. I say, I like talk about things that people feel are awkward and that often aren't talked about. Mm-hmm. And it, it just like, it empowers people, number one, to, to talk about those subjects because, and then they also they realize that they're not alone. And there's probably a lot of people that feel the way you felt. Yeah. And there are a lot of people that don't even look like me that feel the way that I feel. There are a lot of people that are like the traditionally small, beautiful. There, everyone feels to some extent like that. And just a lot of people don't know it because they think, oh, they have a perfect life. They have a perfect body. They must be happy with it. What ends up happening is that people look at me just existing and not being apologetic for anything and say, oh, that's so brave. Mm. And it's like, it makes me sad because it's so brave because we live in a world that conditions us to make us feel like we have to constantly hate ourselves. If we're not hating ourselves, we're doing it wrong. And I don't like that feeling. I don't, I only have so much energy to begin with. And it's like, why am I going to waste it feeling like I hate myself when I don't hate myself? I like who I am. I just wish that things in the world were somewhat different. And while I'm here, why don't I do stuff that I love? And maybe make a dent. And maybe a little bit of a dent. Like I get comments from people I get comments from people who say, you know, oh, I've been watching you for years and you've helped me feel really good about my body in a way that no one else has. Or I asked this person out because I felt confident from something you said in a video. Or I did, I did this thing. And to see other people say, oh, I did this thing that I normally wouldn't have done or I didn't feel like I could do. I almost feel like an older sister that's coming in and giving you the support that maybe your parents aren't or they're not in a place to be able to give you because they can't give it to themselves. Right. So I'm just of the opinion that I feel like I'm a strong person who... My my talent is really, and that was really Midwest way to say that, talent. My talent. My talent. I have faith that I can handle most things. And I like taking those things and communicating them in a way that makes sense. And if I can learn, if I can go through something and then I can put it in a poetic way and make it make sense and bring a little empathy to it and pass it on, it's like I learn better, I do better, I want to pass it on to people that watch me. You talked about how most people feel bad about themselves and yeah. I found that that's true. It is true. No matter what people look like, no matter how chiseled they are, there's always something that they want to change. Yeah. And even for me, like I, I'm like normal sized dude and I'm obsessed with... You want abs. I want those abs. You want those abs. I'm obsessed with abdominal fat. Yeah. Interesting. Obsessed. I look at my stomach like seven times a day. And I'm totally within like, you know, yeah. a regular BMI or whatever. And you're hyper-focused on it. Hyper-focused. I don't think that's unusual though, but it, it makes me sad. You know what I'm saying? Like, it makes me sad. It makes me sad. I, wanna, I want you to love your belly fat that's non-existent. <laughs> I know. I want to love my non-existent normal abdominal fat. Yeah. I think it's just, it, it really is, it's, we grow up seeing people, we see our parents looking in the mirror and constantly wanting to change something or commenting on themselves or telling us that, oh, 
I'm paying attention to your body in some kind of way. It's changed. You should do more of this. You should do less of this. So we always feel like we need to be constricting ourselves and we need to be hyper-focused. And I don't, I don't quite know what the exact switch was for me. I do know there was a big moment in my life when my grandma got sick and she was in, she went into a diabetic coma, uh, woke up and then we nursed her from the hospital to a nursing home, nursing home back home while she was in the nursing home nursing homes are like notoriously understaffed and it's just really hard for them to take care of everyone. And so my mom and I would be there all of the time. So I would be cleaning my grandma, changing my grandma, feeding my grandma, bathing my grandma. And I remember, you know, she was like a bigger woman and we're, we're doing all these things. And there's never a moment that I'm thinking, oh God, her arms are so flabby. Oh God, her stomach. I just loved her and I wanted to take care of her. And that's all I saw. And I think that was a huge light bulb moment for me where I thought, if that's how I feel about someone I love, someone that loves me is also going to feel the same way. So why am I sitting here in the middle of like sleeping with someone or in the middle of doing anything, thinking about like what this looks like? I'm seeing it in a way that other people aren't seeing it. And I'm changing the course of my life in a way that I, I shouldn't be. So I think that was just a huge moment for me where I realized people that love me aren't looking at me the way that I'm looking at me. And I kind of got to let it go. And when I'm thinking about things that I want to change about myself in my 30s, I'm never thinking like, oh, I need to I need to lose weight. I need to do all this. I'm thinking like, wow, I need to be more open about my feelings with people. I need to do less of this emotionally and more of this emotionally. I'm trying to get to like the inside core of who I am. I'm not so concerned about this because this can change from a myriad of different reasons. I could get sick. I could be on a medication that makes me lose or gain weight. I could Anything could happen. But if I'm not like figuring out what's going on in here, then I'm not gonna be able to deal with how the world sees me on the outside. Also, I have great tits. So it's like, what am I? <laughs> they're yes, they're great. It's they're true. great. Isn't one one's a different? Yeah, yeah left. the left one, the left yeah. one. She's hiding. It's like those that mind don't matter, and those that matter don't mind. Yeah, like the people that are gonna love you are gonna love you. Yeah, and the people and the haters. I mean, the haters hate themselves. Oh, absolutely. Like every time I hear a negative comment, I go, oh, it must be so hard to be you <laughs> to have to like need to put people down in order for you to feel better. Yeah. Just basically anytime I share anything on Reddit. I'm a big proponent of, I don't think everyone should read the comments, but I'm the bitch that's going to do it. Right. Like if anyone's going to do it, it's absolutely me because I have been online for 12 years. Every horrible thing that could ever be said about my body has been said. I had an incident with Instagram in like 2014 where I posted a photo and I actually was not someone that wore like revealing clothing or shirts or that were low or I didn't wear shorts or anything like that, bathing suits online. And then I posted this one photo of me in a t-shirt and underwear and it got marked as pornography on Instagram. And there was no reporting system in 2014. There was nothing you could do. So I made a YouTube video because that's what I do know how to do. And I said, this is bullshit. Why is my body different than this one. They're half naked or if not entirely naked people on this site. And I'm not showing anything. None of my genitals are in this. It's just it's just the back of my thighs. Like it's fine. And I said, what I think is happening is I think people are uncomfortable with my body and they think I don't want to see it. So no one should have to see it. So I'm going to flag it. And the there's nothing in place to stop that. And it made a big enough promotion that Instagram apologized and released a statement saying we don't always get it right. And they put the photo back up. And that kind of opened the floodgates of like, oh, wow. So now I can I can do whatever I want kind of within the, the realm of this. And that went so viral that it was on the news. And then all of a sudden I did read the comments and the comments were a lot like this fat whore deserves to get raped. Who could love this person? And it reminded me of things that I had experienced when I was 19 first starting on the internet. And I remember actually going to Vegas. So my mom is like 
low-key a pool shark. I don't think many people know that. Right. So my mom goes to like tournaments and plays pool billiards. And um, I went to visit her in Las Vegas and I had been reading the comments on like the Daily Mail or something. And I was just really down and she saw me and she said, what's up? And I said, I'm just reading these comments and it's a lot. And my mom said to me, fuck those people, Megan. They don't even know who you are. And I was like, you're right, mom. They don't know who I am. And it just like reminded me there are all these people that have just passing through their day. They see something and they want to leave some hateful comment on it. And it's coming from a place that they don't like themselves very much and they don't feel very comfortable with themselves. And to see someone like me being at all confident or happy, they can't stand it because it reminds them, wow, there is someone out there that's not starving themselves and doing all these things and likes their life. And if I believe that that's a thing that can happen, it's going to completely undermine everything that I'm doing because I think, oh, I can't be happy until this happens, until I get abs, until I'm this weight. And it, it screws them. It's easier to take me down than it is to just admit to themselves, oh, maybe I can be happy where I am right now. Maybe good things can happen to me and I'm not waiting till a certain size. If I just accept this body. Just or accept the body. Or accept this life situation. You know, a yeah. lot of people, it's, it's sort of grasping for that thing that's going to make them feel better. Yeah. Uh, a job, money, professional, you know, the relationship, mm -hmm. the, the woman that fills the list. Yeah. The abdominals. We're looking for the abs and the woman. The followers. Yeah. The more likes. The if I when I get to a million subscribers, finally I'll have I'll get that YouTube button. Right. But you get the YouTube button and then you want the next you, you want the diamond YouTube button. Yeah. It's there's always gonna be something that you want that's above you. There's always gonna be someone that's better than you, prettier than you, you know, fitter than you, whatever it is. But it's just you're you're going to be constantly chasing something that you can't achieve. And I've seen the people that get to those million subscribers, and a lot of them are miserable. A lot of them feel like they can't talk about their depression or their, their anxiety. They feel like they have to play a character because that's what got them big. They feel trapped. And so they don't have the freedom that maybe I have because they feel like they've conformed in a certain way or they, they have an image that they have to protect. And for me, my stuff online has always been, I'm growing up in front of you and I'm going to do exactly what I want to do. And if you like me as a person and you like my personality, hopefully you follow it. Um, but I also think I've gotten better opportunities in my life because I didn't look like everyone else. Like I, I legitimately talk about how I think being fat is one of the best things that ever happened to me. Right. And I think that people get confused. They think, oh, it's, it's a pride in being fat. It's not a pride in being fat. It's just an acceptance of... My life has gone a certain way. The only person that knows the history of my body and why it is the way it is, the trauma that it's had, the way it survived is me. And I'm proud of surviving those things in the way that I have. And if I looked like everyone else, I wouldn't have had the opportunities I've had because I would have looked like everybody else and I wouldn't have stood out. I went on Ellen in uh, 2011. Hold hold on. Yeah, did you not know this? No, I did. And okay. by the way, casual. Congratulations. <laughs> and I don't think you know this. Yeah. That is my life goal. Is it? It used to be to go on Oprah, but that's oh, not very yeah. relevant anymore. And I Fair. think Ellen is much more like you, my demographic. Yeah. So wow. I when I when I know when I realized this, yeah. I was like I almost fell off my You were like, my "Wow, chair. I'm going to make her my wife." Wow. And I'm going to ask her to hook me up with Ellen, dude. I don't have any hookups. I'm sorry. <laughs> so I know. I have, to, I have to do some sort of booty revolution I something. I did. I've been showing it on Instagram. True. People like it. Oh, I've been, I've been liking it. I know. I'm, uh, it's not fair, by the way, yeah. that I put my, my bare ass on Instagram. That's true. It doesn't get flagged. Yeah. And you put your covered ass on Instagram. It's my under butt cheeks. Your under butt cheeks and your thighs, you're on the Daily Mail. There you go. 
That's fat privilege, bitch. Fat privilege. <laughs> Don't you wish you were fat like me? Sometimes. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. I love that. I mean, I love that that you like you don't look like everybody else and so you're going to you're going to benefit from that and you're also going to be targeted. Oh, 100%. Like way more targeted than than other people. Oh yeah, no they they hyper focus on me for sure. Um I mean, I've had people make horrible videos about me and say horrible things and I think that it's in a way I mean, me being a woman too does not help that situation at all. No. People are definitely ready for it. How has your body size affected your sexuality? How has it affected my sexuality? Well, I didn't have sex until later in life. And I think a big part of that was probably fear of what people would think of my body and not really understanding my body in a sexual world. I didn't really have anyone to look to. I didn't really have the resources to read on like, what does this look like for me? I was just focused on like, will a boy want to kiss me until I was like 26? Like, that's what I feel like it was. And then... Then I discovered blowjobs, and you know, uh, you know, I hate to say that the the rumors are true about fat girls and blowjobs, but you know, I can't say that they're not. I was just, I was focused. I, I, I found myself being someone that had crushes for a long time. I would have a crush on someone all through high school, crush on someone all through college. I'd be touring. I'd have a crush on them. I was just very focused on these people that I thought were like, oh, they're friends, but we could be so much more. And not only didn't get the hint, but just held on to false hope. And that's why I'm not like that now. I think I just, once I started having sex and realized, oh, I have more control on this than I know. And I don't have to stick around waiting for someone that doesn't like me. And I'm not perfect at that. I still fall into those traps. But really, I'm just the kind of person that I'm not going to do anything until I'm ready to do it. And I found myself at 26 realizing, okay, I want to have sex now. And then once I found the person that I, I wanted to have sex with and I intentionally didn't want to fall in love with, like I picked someone that was like, I don't, I don't want to fall in love with them. I don't even know that I really like their personality, but this will be a great place to start. I was on tour and I got a hotel room. I texted them, said, be here at the show. I didn't even put them on the guest list. I made him pay for the show. And I said- Power move. A power move. I said, listen, you go park your motorcycle wherever, because he had a motorcycle, and, and you're coming with me tonight. And then I just, you know, I did what I did. But I think for me- I've owned a lot of my body being sexual because it's allowed me to see my body in a way that I didn't before and realize that a lot of things I was insecure about, people that I've been with have found really sexy or didn't notice at all. Right. Um, Oftentimes people are way more concerned about their own body yeah. to be worried about your body. Oh, yeah. That's what I figured out. Like no one no one cares about my baby fat, no. which is what my mom calls it, but it's, no. it's not baby fat anymore. I'm 36 years old. Mom. It can be baby fat. <laughs> well... They're worried about their baby fat. Yeah. For the most part. They're worried about something that literally I do not care about. They're 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 worried about their bodies. They're worried about what if you're gonna get off, if they're gonna get off, how like what everything that's happening. There's a lot of other things that they're focused on. And I just had a very different view of I think what sex was, and I didn't realize how empowering it could be until I started having it and realizing that I'm in control and the things that I didn't know were sexy about myself, they find sexy and um it's like I'm seeing it through their eyes. I mean, I've also, I've weirdly never had the experience of sleeping with, well, that's not a weird experience, but I've never had an experience where anyone I slept with made me feel bad about my body. But I also can clearly remember the people that made me feel good about my body. Mm. And that's a smaller number. I think the first few men I slept with, it was like, they didn't ever say anything bad about my body. They were into it, but they didn't make me feel great. 
And then once I started having experiences with people that really pointed out, like, I really love this about you or really like really focused on that, it made me look at that part of me in a different way. Your tits. My tits specifically. I knew it. I know. (laughs) But like, I I never, it's not like I, even with Booty Revolution stuff, it's not like I have a big butt. I don't, I have a like pretty flat butt, but I just the way I photographed it made it look a certain way and it made me feel good about it. And then taking those photos in general, whenever I take a photo of my body, I have to, acknowledge that that's a photo I took, that it looks that way, and that there's not all this other stuff going on to make it look that way. And so it starts healing parts of yourself that I you feel insecure about. I have to acknowledge that like that's a beautiful photo and that I'm in it, and then I have to start making that connection. And if I feel sexy and I look sexy, it's like, okay, it just, for me, photography and Instagram and all that stuff has been healing and sharing that and then seeing other people leave. The comments that I love the most are the comments from people saying, I look like you, and I think you're so beautiful. Like we're the same size. And I think you're you're so great in this photo, but I can't feel that for myself. And I want to. And for me, that's like a motivation in and of itself. I want you to know that we're the same size or whatever, and that you can do this too. You can feel as good as you want to in your body. It's just, you haven't seen anyone that looks like you do it. And I didn't see anyone that looked like me ever be anything except for the butt of the joke or someone that was starving themselves to lose weight to live their life. And so I want to be the person that I needed and I just I work every, I work very hard every day to be that person. Yeah, it's a that's like such a beautiful dynamic. Yeah, of, I love getting positive comments from people that say this thing that you went through. Like I want to go through it as well. You know, I'm scared of this thing that you have been able to to overcome somehow. I just love that. It's good. It's connection. It's community. It's motivation. It also makes me want to share more about what I'm feeling in my life. Because the feedback that I get more often than not is, wow, you you put that perfectly in words. You said it in a way that I could never figure out how to say it, but that's exactly how I feel. And so when I think about like what I like to do, I write songs, and I do all these things, I make these videos. What it comes down to is, I like saying things in a way that makes sense to people and resonates with people. That's where I find, find power. And whether that's me writing a song, or that's me saying something really funny in an Instagram video, Whatever is going to change your day a little bit or you're going to remember as you're going through things in your life, I like that. I want to be a part of that. Great job. And I am. (laughs) (laughs) If for some reason we're not talking about sexuality anymore, somehow. Yeah, I don't know. We keep getting off track. Hey, Love Drive listeners. Uh, last week, I did some free love advice. Well, I, I published the free love advice episode that was recorded on my birthday on September 12th. And what I want to do is I want to extend some free love advice to you. So if you want some free love advice, if you need a sounding board, if you need to run by a situation or run a situation by me, a, a very uh, objective, is that right? Objective person. Like I, I don't have any... I don't have a dog in the fight. I don't have a horse in the f- in the race. What? Sit down with me, uh, like virtually sit down with me and let's talk. I'll give you 30 minutes and you can tell me what's going on with you and I will do my very best. I will dig deep into my toolbox and and try to help you figure out 
the best way to deal with whatever situation that you have, as long as it has to do with your sexuality, intimacy, sex, love, dating. Use me. I really want you to use me. TheLoveDrive.com forward slash free love advice. Go there, sign up. You'll get access to my calendar. You'll get to pick a 30-minute slot and we will call, like I will call you. We will talk via like video call. I will, we will look at each other. If that's too stressful for you, we could, we could turn the cameras off. And I would like to help you with whatever situation that you have as long as I'm qualified to help you. I'll do my very best. So go to thelovedrive.com forward slash free love advice. Sign up and we will chat. Okay, so this next section, uh, we are going to touch on Megan's sexual assault. So if you're uncomfortable with that or if it's a trigger for you, you're going to want to stop the episode now. Or you could just fast forward four minutes. This this portion of the interview where Megan talks about her sexual assault, we don't go into too much detail, and it only lasts four minutes. So if you want to just skip ahead five minutes to be safe, uh, we'll start talking about the brunch standard after that. So my name is Sean Galanos, and we were talking with Megan Tonjes on The Love Drive. I think the thing that I'm dealing with right now, and I just made a post about this, is trauma. I'm trying to process trauma that I, I dealt with two years ago. Well, I didn't deal with it. It happened two years ago. You're dealing with it. I'm dealing with it. And I have the tendency to think I can handle all things. Like, I'll just process it on my own. I'll deal with it. I just got to work. I got to do all this other stuff. I'll put, it, I'll put it to the side. And I had the same year that Booty Revolution happened. It was also the year my grandmother died. It was also within three months. It was my grandma died. My dad disowned me. Booty revolution happened. Mm. So it was like this incredible thing in the middle of like just the worst things in my life. And and then followed up by a sexual assault. And so it's just like everything's happening. And so my reaction is I'm just going to work. I'm going to work. So I, I not that I can't feel it. I talk about this stuff all the time. I talk about it constantly. But I think I'm realizing now that talking about it isn't enough to fix it. I really thought acknowledging the thing will help and it helps, but it does not make it go away. And so I think recently, like I, when I started having sex, I was very like, whatever experience, like just throw me in like head first. Like I'm, I'm here, I'm ready. Like I don't even, I was all about casual sex. And now I think after being assaulted and there being trauma, it's like I... I, there are definitely walls up and men make me nervous in a certain way that they didn't before. And um, I I think that's starting to be something that I'm finding when I'm having sex with people is I just have to know them a lot more. I have to have a lot more trust in a way that I didn't before. Um, and it's harder to get that trust because I used to just give it. And then now I've had that kind of broken. And so it just takes a little bit longer, I think, to get in my good graces and for me to want to fuck you, which makes it harder for me to experience other sexual things because I'm like, I, there's already there's already too much that I'm dealing with. Yeah, you were saying that uh, talking about it is sort de- sort of is part of the process, but yeah. it's not the entire process. I really thought if I could just say it, it would it would fix itself. It would it would be enough. And I and I now that I've told the story so many times. I, I can talk about my salt all day. I could share the story, but there's still that part of me when I think about it, I can just start crying and I almost feel like I'm back there, which is so even being in New York and, and being in an Airbnb, it's like 
today I posted and I was just very emotional about it because there's all the, you know, believing survivors and this hashtag going around. And I, so I shared my story of I was tr at Tribeca Film Festival when this happened. And I was in an Airbnb with, with friends and my friends left and this guy stayed and he wouldn't leave until I played music for him. And I was like, okay, I'll play a song. And then he used it as an opportunity to un like unzip my dress. And then he wouldn't leave. And I went to the door and he's, he's touching himself and he's, there's a lot of things happening. And it's like, he goes to leave. He puts his hand between my legs. Like there's just a lot of things happening. And it's, he's like a married producer. Like this isn't someone that I thought I should be afraid of. I thought this was a peer. I thought this was someone I could trust. This is someone that knew me, that knew what I had worked on. And I'm just now starting, I think, to really get to that trauma and trying to figure out, I know that it wasn't my fault. I know that I didn't do anything wrong. But it, it's one thing to know it and to feel it because you're, oh, you carry that guilt around of like, I didn't do enough. Why was I so nice about it? Why didn't I scream? Why didn't I call the police? And the what's interesting is you and I, as I take over this interview, as I'm just like meandering through, I found you through our mutual friend, Lila. And she posted how you guys were working on a podcast together and you were friends, but you weren't necessarily like attracted to each other. And I think the comment I left was, he's attractive. I think you liked it and then I followed you. And I think that's how we became officially like online and I just creeped. Online buddies. Yeah, and I swooped. I swooped in. I think I we co-swooped. Did we co-swoop? I think so. We, it was a mutual. We, we can go back to the DMs to see who, who DM'd, who I slid. first. You slid in? Well, I shared your podcast and then you were like, Megan, oh, I right. wanted to ask you to be a part of it. <laughs> That's true though, because I had found out about you. Yeah. And before you swooped. Yeah, okay. Probably through through Lila. Yeah. Uh, we are attract... We both find each other attractive. Yeah. And for some, in some way, we are attracted to each other. mm but we are also drive each other crazy. <laughs> it's true. Like crazy. I think because the things that I don't like about her are the things that I don't like about myself. Fair, fair. Which I think is very common. Yeah, it's hard when you have that, that kind of, is it, do you feel like it's like a brother sister thing where it's like Absolutely fighting? siblings. Yeah. Totally siblings. I love it. She, but, she doesn't, anyway. No, she, no, I know I read the post. She, you're prickly, you're prickly, Sean. Um, but I found you through her. And Lila to me is such an interesting person in my life because I was hosting a sex show and I met Lila on the sex show. I went to Hacienda and we came across each other and we just connected. And so we stayed friends. Um, and when I was assaulted, I came to New York City. I was here when it happened. Lila came to me the next day and laid in bed with me. She brought me ice for my ankle because I'd hurt myself. She laid in bed with me. She cuddled me. She told me all these things about like, you know, I felt so guilty, like why didn't I scream? And she was like, a lot of women feel this need to tend and befriend, right? So in, instead of getting out of the situation, we just know that we have to survive the situation. So we make them feel like it's okay, everything's fine. It's okay, what you did is fine. Just to get them out of our space so we can lock the door, so we can be safe. And I think about that every single day, her saying that to me. She laid in bed with me, she read me her writing. Like she just spent time with me. That's someone I never would have met if I hadn't done this show. And the fact that she was in my life at such a pivotal, horrific, upsetting time, but was such a comfort to me, I just have so much love for her. And when she does the podcast now, when she was thinking of starting that podcast, she reached out to me and I remember sitting on my phone giving her a ton of encouragement, but a lot of a practical advice and just like us going back and forth. And then to see her start that project and then to be on that project and then to meet other people through that project. It's just this weird way of like that show may never came out, that show may never come out. 
But the people that I've met through it, I know are part of my life forever or at least changed the direction of it. And that's pretty cool. You just realize how long life is and how you never know who you meet on a certain day that you're nice to and you have a conversation with, how they're going to come back through your life and really be a huge part of it. But here we are. Now I'm in bed talking to you three years later. Three years later. <laughs> I'm grateful for I'm grateful for Lila and I'm grateful for podcasting because I feel like I'm finally now building the community that I've always wanted to build that I couldn't find. Like I, you know, for a while I was, I blogged and then for a while I made YouTube videos and like YouTube is just such a rough place. Ooh, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a wasteland and it's the wild west. And And podcasting has been so much like the, no one has left me a scathing iTunes review. Not yet. Not yet. Yeah. Go ahead. Today is the day. You fucking loser. What do people need to know about, having sex with you? I think, oh my God, these are great questions because I don't, I haven't thought about this in a while because I haven't really been in a place to want to sleep with anyone. Um, You know what? I work best with people that pull me out of myself because I'm very focused on like pleasing you and wanting to things to be a certain way for you. And I don't always express what I want because I, again, I'm like, I can take care of myself. It's fine. I, I don't come like, I'm the opposite. I'm like, I, I don't need to come. It's fine. I'll get you off. But now as I'm getting older, I'm realizing, oh no, I do want, want to actually come. I want you to focus on me. So I think having sex with me, you should know that I'm going to listen to every fantasy you have and all the things you want to do. And I'm going to find a way to be the best version of that and the sexiest version of that and do it in a way that makes you feel like, oh, wow, this was really worth it. Um, But I also think I work best with people who push back and kind of call me on what I'm doing and pull me out of myself a little bit. I think that's how you're going to get the best sex with me because I don't open myself up to everyone. I talk a lot about things right away. Are you sure? I'll tell you everything about me. I don't care. But I'm used to seeing everyone for who they are. I'm not used to being seen. And so I find when people are that for me, they can call me out and be like, oh, this thing about you that I didn't even verbalize or say, that's so sexy to me that I don't even, but I haven't experienced a lot. So I don't even know how I'd react. I just think that, I don't know if I'm answering the question. I'm warm is what I am right now. (laughs) I'm very warm. I'm heated. It's warm in here. Um, Are you getting uncomfortable? I'm a little uncomfortable. It's weird because I'm not uncomfortable about sex itself, but I think I'm uncomfortable right now with the idea of me having sex because I don't know what it looks like for me right now because I I thought I was so sure of myself with who I was with someone. And I feel like that's been shaken a lot in the past few years. And so I'm trying to build that back up and figure out how to match that personality of like, I'm going to take charge and I'm going to do whatever you want with what I... I actually want from someone and being able to verbalize that, which I haven't been as successful with. So I think I'm still figuring it out. Having sex with me is fun, but I don't know that I'm having as much fun as you're having. And that makes me a little concerned. It's probably why I'm not having much sex lately. I mean, I think also things change after an assault. Yeah, I realized that. And, you know, you're probably exactly where you need to be at this point in your yeah i think it's just the people that i'm attracted to now the people i let close to me are different than when i was 26 it didn't matter who you were it didn't matter if i thought you were a good person or not if i want to be friends with you or if i thought whatever you were looking out for me i just wanted what i wanted and i was attracted to you and now there's a whole other level of i just need to feel safe and i didn't need to feel safe when i used to have sex 
I just needed to feel wanted. And so I, I, it's part of, is that from the trauma? Is that from getting older? Is that from having different values? Is that from being burned by people because I didn't take the time to get to know them before I fucked them? I don't know. Story of my life. Right? Actually, I never gotten burned, but I, I, I definitely didn't take the time to get to know people. And then it's hard because you put all this energy into something and you're so focused on it. And then a year later, you're like, I don't even remember why the fuck I felt that way. Who was that? I don't even like that person. Why was I so focused? I don't like wasted energy. I think that's what's starting to happen now is I don't, I don't want to feel like I, I, I distracted myself from all this work and all these things I wanted to do for someone that wasn't worth it. And I know that that's a weird way to look at it. It's not a great way to look at it because I never want to look at a relationship as, oh, this, this failed and so it wasn't worth what it was. It was. The experience was worth it. But I just want the person to be a good person and I feel like I need to take more time to figure out who's a good person before I fuck them or at least a person that I could see myself respecting past the point of our relationship or our interaction. Do you, uh, <laughs> do you know about the brunch standard? You want to, is it like uh, someone that you want to go to brunch with the next day? Yeah, that's exactly what wow. it is. Wow. How did you? <laughs> well, I just took the words that you're saying and I, and I tried to apply them to the situation in a way that made sense. <laughs> so not only, it's a two-part actually. Okay. This is, this is how I make sure that I'm, that the person that I sleep with, I actually like, like. Okay. Also, whenever I, when I posted this on Reddit, I got totally chewed out. Did you? Oh Why? my God. I'll tell you after. It was people that didn't like brunch. I made a video about not liking brunch. I don't like brunch either. The The brunch standard is that in order for me to have sex with somebody, I I need to be able to invite them to spend the night. Mm. That And that's huge. Yeah, yeah. As an older man yeah. who is like set in his way. Yeah, because you have your space. I don't necessarily have to invite them to spend the night. But I have to say, yes, I, I want this person to spend the night. And not only that, in the morning we have to go to brunch. And wait in line and pay for expensive eggs. Wow. And that that is hard to do for a man who doesn't like brunch. That's commitment. That's a two-part question that I need to answer in the affirmative in order for me to sleep with somebody. Mm. Unless I want to have like a weird experience that is new and novel. You like novelty. I love novelty. But I'm over novelty now. I'm no, I'm no longer into novelty. Sean's trying to get over his intimacy issues. Sean's got intimacy issues. And I'm working on Slated it. for 2019. 2019 is going to be a new podcast. <laughs> one intimacy issue per episode. Produced by Megan Tajes. Music by Megan Tajes. <laughs> Let's do it. I'm ready. Uh, so that's the brunch standard. Uh, the people on Reddit. The, so two nasty comments. One of them called, someone called my writing frilly. Ooh. I know. What does that even mean? Frilly. I mean... Low substance, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Maxim type. Flowery. Flowery, yeah, kind like of light. Dantic, yeah. You know, Cosmo style writing, mm. basically. Damn. Damn, they came for you. Fuck. So that's one. Okay. And then uh, I got a YouTube video, uh, a comment recently saying that I should probably stop uh, eating so much soy. <laughs> and I replied... Wait, what makes you think that I eat too much soy? And the video had nothing to do with soy. Yeah. Nothing. Ugh. And he wrote back, he wrote back, actually, upon further investigation, 
Uh, you don't seem like you're eating too much soy. There's no moobs uh, and your voice is fine. I must have been drunk. I'm sorry. There is, there's just endless doctors on the internet. It's incredible. How nice that he went in for a second opinion. He did. He took the time. He took the time and then apologized <laughs> for saying that I ate too much soy. How dare he? How dare he? So that's, I must have been drunk. <laughs> yeah, I must have been drunk. Yeah. <laughs> when I get drunk, I go online and tell people they've had too much soy. That's That's like... To some of the worst comments that I've received. Damn. How I know. Do you, how do you get up in the morning? It's hard. I, I remember that these people are sad and that they yeah. have sad existences and that they, you know, choose to to drink alcohol and comment on people's soy consumption. I mean, you know, it, yep. it is what it is. It's a normal Friday night. It must be hard for them. It must be hard. It must be hard to be them. I have a comment from a friend. Okay. This is the same friend that's selling the cottage cheese. (laughs) My friend just posted two two tubs of cottage cheese for sale on Craigslist because he accidentally bought not low-fat cottage cheese and he wanted the full fat because he's into the ketogenic diet. What a blessing. Ketogenic diet also... Sponsoring this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Also a form of... of, uh, of, What is it? Uh, Eating disorder. Oh, yeah. I Diet think so. culture. Diet culture. Uh, sure. What is it? Well, it's constriction. It's I, I, inter- intermittent fasting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is an eating yeah. disorder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But like with a fancier name. <laughs> it's much more accepted. I used to not eat all day too. Right. <laughs> so we all did it. Yeah, we, yeah. We, but now it's cool on Instagram. Now it's fasting and it's good for abs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So my friend Brian wants, he, he says that he's concerned that if he, that his penis wouldn't be large enough for intercourse mm. with with bigger women. Interesting. Yeah. I actually think I, not that I don't enjoy penetration. I like penetration because I feel like it feels good for who I'm with, but it's not like my focus. It's not what feels best for me. So I wouldn't even necessarily be concerned with that. I was having a conversation yesterday. Someone brought up the fact of size and if someone's a size queen, someone was saying they were a size queen, right? So they're like, I like big dicks. And I, I chimed in and said, I actually have had some large penises. I don't prefer them. I just want, I would like to feel you for sure, but I don't want to be hurt by it. And I think a lot of people that I've been with actually probably haven't focused as much on foreplay. And that's where I find more pleasure than anything else. It's like the leading up to it, even talking about what we're going to do, touching, cuddling, kissing, going down on me, like just taking your time. I've had partners that just didn't do that. And like, we're inside of me instantly. And it's like, that, this is not how this works. Right. I don't think that I would be worried about, especially with bigger women. I mean, there's just so many different positions and things you can do and ways to please each other. And I think a lot of that is just more insecurity about like what you think you're not gonna be able to get past. You would be amazed what happens when you throw someone's legs back or they bend a certain way or you put a pillow underneath your stomach, like whatever it is, there are ways to get around it. And and fat people have been having sex for forever with people that aren't necessarily fat or with each other. Fat girls have sex. Fat girls have sex too. They really do. And I've had I've had sex with men that were bigger and I've had I've had sex with a lot of men that were much thinner than me. And I've never had a problem with someone being like, I just can't get past your ass. Your your ass is too thick for me. It's like, no, I can just lean down a few more degrees and you'll get inside. It's fine. Right. You figure it out. If you like each other and you want to fuck, you're gonna figure out a way to do it. It's not gonna be a problem. Yeah. Prop prop yeah. yourself. 
a lot of times people will be like, oh, I don't like big women. But I think some people that say that are just scared that they're not going to be enough to get past a certain barrier or that it's they're going to be disappointing in some kind of way. So it's easier to say, oh, I don't like this thing as opposed to, oh, I've just never experienced that. Yeah. And so why not try to, why if you meet someone who has a body type that you're not used to and you like them, why, why would you stop yourself from figuring that out? It's an exploration of how to please them. No one that you're with is ever going to want the same thing. And that doesn't change with fat people. I think people are worried about what other people are going to think. Oh, 100%. Also. Yeah. They're worried about like what their families are going to say and what their right. friends are going to say and how they're going to be looked at. And and that is a reality. But I think that, that go, that's the kind of stuff that I want to dismantle. That's the kind of stuff that I just think is unfair that we don't realize that we're putting people on these pedestals of like, oh, well, if you're with a thin person, you're really doing a great job. You might be with a thin person that has a shit personality. Isn't that great? But you could be with someone who looks outside of the realm of what people want, and they could be the the best person you've ever met. People just don't want to give other people a chance, and they want to reflect their own issues on everyone else in their relationships. I, I already know that whoever I end up with is going to have to be super fucking confident in who I am and what I do and comfortable with that. And... I would never want to be with someone I think that, and not that you can't struggle with it, it's something you can work on together, but I want someone that's going to defend me and defend why they're with me and be solid in that because they know that I'm the person they want to fuck and I'm the person that they're in love with. Listen, we always have to consider everything with a grain of salt. So even if my family or my friends tell me something or they give an opinion about what I'm doing or how many people I'm fucking or whatever. I always have to consider that they, they're they probably coming from a good place. They care about me, but all that is colored by their own experience and their own feelings about sex or their own feelings about their body. I can't take that as Bible. I can't be like, oh, that's how you feel. And that's just how it is because that's how off whenever I do that, I end up miserable because that's not really what I'm trying to live my life to. That's not the standard. That's not how I see it. And trying to fit into these boxes of like, I'm only allowed to be with this many people or I'm only allowed to do these things in this time says the fuck who? Your friends? Okay. Yeah, fuck so, them. You can love, no, you, I appreciate your feedback. I appreciate your opinion. But like, I felt good about this until you said something. So why would that automatically change that? I think that's what I would want to dig into. Well, I'm overly concerned with other people's opinions of me. Yeah. And because I sometimes I am all I have lots of confidence and I'm also insecure. Yeah. And so when fucking Virgo, oh, is it a Virgo thing? I don't know. I just like saying it to you. <sighs> Maybe it's that Cancer Moon. Oh God, you feel things like a Cancer. What's your rising again, Capricorn? Capricorn. <gasps> Damn. Good combo, I think. That is, you're, you're a confusing combo, though. I'm confused. Yeah, because Capricorns don't like. People see you as not wanting to be not super emotional about things, but you are I'm emotional. Incredibly emotional about yeah. things. Yeah. Interesting. I'm I like that this became a podcast about me reading your astrology yeah. chart. Yeah. I love I mean I actually I like that stuff. I do too. Um I I'm, think it's fun. I'm overly concerned with my appearance and uh the work that I do. Mm-hmm. It's it's like a I've chosen sort of a non mainstream do you think that people aren't going to take you seriously if you're talking about sex, but you're not like super attractive and talking about all the sex that you've had? No, it's more about uh, not feeling like, because I'm not like a psychiatrist or a therapist or something. You have to make up for it in other ways? N- no, I just don't, sometimes don't feel like I have the the credentials to mm-hmm. do what I do. Interesting. 
but yet I still do it because I know it's helpful and it's what I want to do. I mean, I understand that feeling. Like a lot of stuff I talk about, I'm like, I don't have a degree in any of this. Yeah. This is just like, I'm paying attention to what's going on around me and trying to make it make sense. But I think that there's a lot of power in just being someone that wants to have the conversation. Right. You want to have the conversation and you're willing to do it. And that's more than most people. People can go to school their entire lives and learn about something, but it doesn't mean that they're actually going to want to have a back and forth and that they're going to be good at it. Right. I think there's a lot more power in the gray areas and the figuring things out and the communicating and connecting with people than there is in just knowing what you read out of a book and taking a test. Also, people can resonate more and connect more with regular people that don't have a ton of academic background because that makes them uh, like sort of unapproachable. Yeah, I think, but I think you have a good balance because you're bringing in you're bringing in people to fill in the gaps of what you might not necessarily not necessarily have a background in. So you have people coming in that are informing that have that education that you might not have, but you get to facilitate the conversation, and you're just a person in the world that's experienced it. I don't think that, especially when it comes to podcasting or anything like that, it's like this is really about learning about people's lives and how they feel and connecting with them and the best way to connect with people is to just do it. Yeah. Not be scared. I, well, I told, well, I also, you know, I'm, now I'm working on uh, coaching and consulting and then I was talking to my therapist about this and, you know, I told her that I sort of felt like an imposter, you know, yeah. everyone feels like. Yeah, everyone imposter. does. I mean, even like go away. medical doctors are like, oh, I guess I'm writing prescriptions now. Uh, <laughs> fuck, I hope this one goes through. <laughs> and she looks at me and she goes, well, you know, yeah. You're kind of an imposter. It's basically like the look that she gave me and I was yeah. like, you fucking, how dare you? You're, how you're, dare you're you? out here giving people advice and you don't have the background. I don't, yeah, I don't like it getting was- Getting kicked out of airports I because get, you don't have the permit. I didn't get the, I didn't get the free love advice permit. I don't have the credentials to give free love advice. It, yeah. But also she, what she was saying is that as a therapist, she has- training that she can lean on when she feels like an imposter mm. because even she feels like an imposter after eight years of doing her work yeah. which is why i'm i'm firing her as my therapist <laughs> you gotta get rid of her eight years that, and you're still you can't trust that bitch <laughs> you're still an imposter <laughs> i'm firing her because she called me an imposter oh yeah no, i like that also uh, i'm actually not firing her because she's great and it's only a hundred dollars per session okay. canadian which is like 40 us dollars but only when sean shows up for the actual session because <sighs> sometimes it's 200 in the afternoon yeah i watch those instagram God stories damn it it's upsetting me so much i know i'm still upset about it we got to figure a way to make that money back <laughs> we're making it back right now okay good <laughs> she's right that i don't have the background to lean on mm. in times of doubt yeah, and there's a structure and there. There's structure, and and I'm and I'm getting it with the coaching certificate, and I'm getting it by through through like life experience, mm -hmm. and also through self care. Yeah, because I'm a fragile human being. You're a little baby. I'm a little baby. A little sensitive baby. That's that cancer moon. But I I think the thing to think about in that is she's correct in the fact that yeah people might assume that you are this thing because you're making this kind of content and you're talking about it in such an assured way and then they look at the credentials and it's like oh but you're at you're, you don't have any of this background but the reality is that most people when they're looking for advice when they want to know what they should do they go to their friends their friends don't have a background in that they just trust their opinion because they know that, that person is true to how they live their life and what they talk about i think there's a lot of power in being someone that's openly learning and figuring it out. And it's easier to see sometimes other people's stuff instead of yours. It's easy for me to give great advice to someone. Is it easy for me to take it? Not all the time. But sometimes you can see something that 
that person might recognize, but they haven't admitted it to themselves and they haven't heard it out loud yet. And maybe they have people around them that are really enabling that because they don't want them to feel like, oh, I'm not being a good friend to you. You have the opportunity to be in a safe place with them and to come at it from a place of kindness, but you're not bullshitting them because at the end of the day, you're not going to see them again. So you might as well tell them the truth and they can choose to take that or not, choose to take parts of it or not. That's their choice. That's part of being a human. You can't just because you're a doctor and you tell me something, that's what's right. No, that's I have to take what makes sense for me and I have to go at my own pace. That's one opinion. Yeah, it's one opinion. And a lot of people get several opinions when they go to the doctor or anywhere else. So <laughs> until that's what I do until I get the answer that I'm looking for. Well, yeah, no, I mean, I don't go to anyone because I have their answers inside of me. They're inside of me. <laughs> well, that's the that's that's the way to do it. It is. I think you're doing a good job, Sean. Oh, thanks. Good job. Killing it. Thank you. uh, Will you share with me your self-care practices? Like what you do to like make yourself feel good? I get off social media. Uh, I try to turn my phone and my computer off because I think that's just, there's too many things happening and I'm worried in a way that I, I can't be all the time or I'm exhausted. So I like to play like Spotify playlists. I have like a little, uh, alarm clock too now so I'm not on my phone so that I can wake up at a certain time and I'm not stressing about notifications. I take a lot of baths. People see my Instagram stories. I take like a bath like every night. And it's just my time to just be with myself and read or just think about life or just hang out. Um, And I also really the biggest thing that I do is I create stuff that I love with people that I trust. And I think the fact that I make so much content and it's so easy for me is because I'm only collaborating with people that I really, really trust and I don't script anything and we can just go back and forth and it's fun. It's fun to make, it's fun to edit. So I don't feel like I'm working on any of that. It's a fun process where I just get to be free and play. And um, it's weird that work kind of has become self-care in some ways, but I look forward to those days where I record with those people or do podcasts even. I love talking, connecting, and that makes me feel better about where I am. I don't, I'm not someone that's like, oh, self-care. I have to be away from the world all of the time. I can't. I like connecting with people. That's part of my self-care. And I think podcasting is part of my self-care. That's why I've brought you here today. Yeah, I'm here to be your self-care. Yeah. And to self-care with you. Yeah. Mutual self-care. I, yeah, connection is... Mutual self-care, mutual masturbation. What, what, you know, whatever what, it becomes. What, what have you? What have you? However the stars align. <laughs> I'm trying to keep it professional here. I'm a Scorpio. We just talk about fucking. We can't help it. I'm a flirt. There's too We're too many. We're just so in love. We fell in love through Instagram, and so I'm just like, I'm just giving you that. I'm just letting you know. What was it? We f- we fell in love in a in a hopeless place. In a hopeless place. And it, those that hopeless place was Sean's DMs. Is I thought it was New York City. Oh no! I mean, I fell in love earlier. I oh, didn't you let you know. Yeah. You did. For me, it was love at first sight. Oh, thank you. It's because the tots are out. Yeah, the tots and the hearts. That's true. Is there anything that you'd like to talk about that we would be doing a disservice not talking about? Like, what haven't we talked about? We talked about your intense attraction to me, an assault, sexuality, kind of. Those are two different things, by the way. <laughs> yeah, so we should, he'll edit, he'll edit that. What else do you want? What, do you have any questions for me? What else do you need? I, mean, I, have, I feel I asked you a lot of questions. Anything you want to know just for yourself? Oh, personally? Yeah. Why am I still single? I think you're single because this should be actually the question you ask everyone when they leave. I think you're single because you want a partner, 
or you think you want a partner, but I don't know that you believe it enough yet to to be open to who that might be. I think you want to control too much of who it's going to be. And if I found in my experience, the universe is going to is going to show you something that you don't even quite understand yet, or at least you're not expecting. Can't control it. It's going to happen when it happens. I mean, you're doing good work. You're trying to make yourself the best person to find the best person. But you got to give up a little control, Virgo. Can I get another answer, please? I didn't like that answer. Could I get another, you don't have, because, I get because, you, because you have a tan penis. I do have a tan penis. <laughs> but it's not big. I don't know. Tan what, penises aren't in this year. Sorry. Uh, Try next year. Fall 20. Yeah, fall 2020. 2020. Yeah. What is the thing? Okay, I'm just going to try this. Okay. What is the thing that you believe that other people think is crazy? That it's okay to be fat. It's okay to be fat. I think that we want to try to place moral judgments on bodies and say that's not an okay thing to be. And I just don't, I want to ask like who said it's not an okay thing to be. That's a thing that people are or they can be. It's not about being bad or good. It's not being right or wrong. It's just that is something that happens and I find it's more interesting to be empathetic to people and their stories and treat them as individuals as opposed to saying you shouldn't want this thing. Not everyone's going to be healthy. Not everyone's even born with the ability to be healthy and not everyone has the opportunity to do that. And I don't think it makes them a bad person. I just think it makes them a person surviving in the world the best way they can. A lot of people that we look up to, a lot of people that are writers or scientists did incredible things and they weren't necessarily healthy. And that didn't stop them from doing crazy, incredible shit. Boom. Boom. You can find all things Megan Tonjes at megantonjes.com. M-E-G. H-A-N-T-O-N-J-E-S dot com or go to thelovedrive.com forward slash EP30. That's Echo Papa 3-0. I will have the links to pretty much everything Megan has ever done on you know the show notes for this episode, including her appearance on Ellen, the multitude of podcasts that she produces and hosts, the YouTube videos, and more. This show was produced by me, Sean Galanos, with the help from Guilford Street Studios. Thank you so much for listening. It really means a lot to me. Today's Canadian Thanksgiving, actually, and I live in Montreal, and I am Canadian. And so I am grateful for each and every one of you. If you have listened to an episode of The Love Drive, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Next week, we, actually me, I talked to Dr. Dr. Jordana Jacobs, who has done a lot of research on our death awareness. So like the awareness that we are going to die and its effects on our ability and capacity to love. One of the primary ways we defend against our death anxiety is by clinging to love. <laughs>